0: I don't know why, but I think it's more just letting go of stubbornness because there's something when you start something, you kind of feel attached to it. And that's true about anything. And it's letting go of that attachment and say, and not being stubborn about like, well, this is what I started. This is what I'm going to do. And just saying, you know what? That's where we started, but that might not be where we're going to end up. And this looks very promising. Let's see where it goes and just trying different things.
1: That's Drew Stroni. He's the founder of Memberful, super easy to use membership software. Drew started his career as a professional football player in the NFL. After moving between a few teams, Drew was forced to retire and started to look for a job. Failing to find anything, he started his own B2B services company. What Drew is talking about is the process he went through in 2008 as he went door-to-door trying to sell his services and people kept asking him about websites instead. He pivoted that first company into a WordPress themes business and consultancy called Theme Foundry, which led to the inspiration for his current startup, Memberful. This is Hack to Start, a podcast that focuses on amazing people who have an interesting story or perspective to share and their insights on how they got to the level of success they have today. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Today we're speaking with Drew
2: Stroni, a retired NFL player turned tech entrepreneur. Growing up, Drew had a passion for tech and computers. During the NFL offseason, Drew continued to teach himself how to code and build websites. When his career in professional sports came to an end after a few years, Drew decided to launch his own company. But the original model never succeeded. Prospective clients kept asking about websites and eventually Drew launched Theme Foundry an online store for WordPress themes. After several years building WordPress sites and selling premium themes online, Drew noticed that there was no simple way of selling and managing online memberships. Four years ago, he launched Memberful and has been growing that
1: software ever since. Drew joins us to share his story, what it was like transitioning from a career in professional sports into tech startups, what it was like launching his first company, how he's bootstrapped both Theme Foundry and Memberful, how he approaches building small teams, and much more. So let's get started.
2: Hey Drew, thanks for being on the show today.
0: Hey Tyler, thanks, it's great to be here.
2: Yeah man, Franco and I are extremely excited to have you on the show to learn more about yourself, your startup memberful, and the path you took from the NFL to tech startups. So diving in, tell us a bit more about yourself. Where are you from and what did you study?
0: Right. So I'm originally from Massachusetts, grew up, born and raised there. I went to Duke University in North Carolina and I studied philosophy.
2: So at Duke, you were playing football and ended up getting drafted into the NFL. Can you recap that experience and what it was like for you?
0: So I actually played football, uh, American football at Duke and I played there for four years did pretty well and I actually got drafted into the NFL and played for three and a half years so I, I had a non-standard post-college experience in that I was drafted and jumped right into the NFL for a few years and did that and I didn't have much of a career but it was a great experience and got to meet a lot of people
2: and had a lot of fun. That sounds like an amazing opportunity We've had a few athletes and other types of folks who've pivoted their careers into tech as well. But you're the first NFL player we've had the chance to speak to on the show. So how did that level of competition shape you and your mindset? Were there any lessons or advantages that you had then applied into your tech startup? Well,
0: I think in in a few ways. I mean, one thing it's to get to experience anything at a really high level, I think is very informative and helpful. And you also just you just learn a lot about what it takes to to really succeed. And the other thing is, like I said, I didn't have much, I, I kind of bounced around, I didn't have much of an actual career. I was actually cut a lot of times, which means, you know, you're basically getting fired. And so I, you know, I was bouncing around to different teams and getting let go. And I think that kind of rejection and dealing with that rejection over and over again can kind of toughen you up a little bit and, and get you ready for some of the things that happen so that you're a little bit more resilient when it comes to, you know, starting a business. Because a big thing in business in general is just being persistent and, and sticking with it even when you get rejected or hit roadblocks and things like that.
2: Absolutely. Grittiness and persistence are the key and obviously big lessons there. So how did you end up transitioning from the NFL into tech startups? Where did that interest come from?
0: Right. So I even back way back when I was just a kid, I was always into computers. And they were just when I was growing up, computers were kind of becoming a big thing, you know, in the early 90s and late 90s. So it was kind of it was always part of who I was, it was always something that was, I was always interested in and involved in, but it had always been in kind of like that hobby way. And just like as an interest, when we started out, I just I hadn't made the connection yet that, hey, maybe I could do something that was really interesting to me. And could do it as a business and once that kind of that light bulb kind of came on it was it was just a really natural fit
2: so do you have any entrepreneurs in the family or was that really your first exposure to that career path and lifestyle
0: well so my grandfather had a plumbing company so i had always kind of looked up to him as you know something that he had started from scratch and obviously it's not a tech company but it was it was something that i always kind of looked up to and and kind of put it in the in the back of my mind that, that, that might be something that I wanted to do uh, when I
1: was older. That's a great story. So after your career in the NFL, and it's now 2008, how did you end up just jumping right into building your own business? When that was
0: finished, my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, we decided that we wanted to... We had moved a lot of different places for football and we decided we wanted to move somewhere new. So we moved to Boise, Idaho back in 2008 and started looking for jobs. And I decided that I wanted to try to just start something on our own. So that's kind of how we got into it uh, we actually started with a kind of like a, a business to business marketing company out there in Boise and at that time in 2008 there was you know pe- everybody didn't have a website yet and websites were really starting to become a thing so tech had always been a big hobby of mine but it wasn't something that I knew that I wanted to do for work but uh, it kept coming up and a lot of meetings would have with clients and eventually we just started helping them out with websites and doing stuff like that and one thing led to another and I got to do more and more tech stuff
1: so how did that first B2B services business really evolve into Theme Foundry? At what point did you decide to make that shift?
0: So like I said, we were, this was like a business-to-business services kind of marketing business. And we were literally pounding pavement, going door-to-door, selling to people. And this was, like I said, 2008. And we just kept hearing it over and over again. And people would turn us down and say, well, no, we're not really interested in that. But when we really need a website, do you know anyone who does websites? I had dabbled with web stuff obviously because I had been into tech and eventually it just got to the point Where I said, you know what? Yeah, we could do that, and and we started doing we started doing websites for people. And at that time, WordPress was one of the kind of the go-to content management systems for that for small business, you know, local websites. So we started using WordPress, and I started exploring that community more, just kind of observing some of the different trends that were going on. And one thing that had jumped out to me was that people were selling WordPress themes, and they seemed to be making some decent money doing it. And it seemed to be something that was getting bigger and bigger. So as we were kind of doing some of that client work and and building websites for people on WordPress, I started exploring different approaches that we might take to kind of launch something that would you know be like our own little business selling WordPress templates WordPress themes and that was kind of the genesis of, of the theme foundry and when we launched it what I did originally was I I released a free WordPress theme just to kind of get the word out and get that initial exposure and get some users and people familiar with what we were doing and the theme actually became really popular we had hundreds of thousands of users at one point and it really just snowballed from there and we just kind of started releasing more themes and things really took off and it was more at that time i think it was a combination of factors around so many people were needing websites and wordpress was like the go-to system for websites and everybody needed a wordpress theme back in 2009 10
1: yeah absolutely but in like 2008 2009 as wordpress is just starting to get going what were some of the biggest challenges that you had to overcome in terms of you know getting the word out there?
0: Well one of the biggest challenges like initially was just getting people aware of the product like you said and and because we released it for free and wordpress had kind of this directory built into it that made it really easy for us to just suddenly get start getting a lot of traffic to the site and because the product itself was pretty good and it was free it was did most of the marketing itself and we actually didn't need to do much additional marketing on top of that it kind of just Took off on its own, just releasing that one free product kind of just catapulted things.
1: Wow, that's so incredible. So, backing up just a bit, after your career in the NFL, you started a services business and then pivoted into digital products with Theme Foundry. How were you able to get this company off the ground? How did you teach yourself to code?
0: Right, so I had I had kind of dabbled, but even when I was playing in the NFL, like you're really busy during the season, but during the off season, there's a lot of downtime when you're you either you know working out, but then there's there's a lot of downtime. So I spent a lot of time teaching myself HTML, CSS, getting in into WordPress, and learning how all of that works. So I would already kind of had a a really good foundation for understanding how all those things work so I was able to design and put that whole thing together and get a website up to sell it and all those different things so and that was just because I had previously been interested in that and, and taught myself how
1: to do it that's really cool so I'm curious about you know how the business side of things came together in terms of making sales I mean it's one thing to you know build a site for yourself and your friends and it's a completely other thing to really create and package a product for sale typically this is a pretty big challenge for first time entrepreneurs. So how did you overcome this hurdle?
0: Yeah, I think uh, initially, the work we did on even though that business didn't really go anywhere, we learned a lot of lessons and kind of like I was saying earlier with, you know, dealing with rejection. And I don't know if you guys have done any kind of sales stuff, but sales can be, especially if you're doing like door to door sales, it can be, (laughs) yeah, it can be tough. I mean, you get rejected a lot. People will, sometimes people are just flat out mean to you. Sometimes people lie to you. Sometimes people don't pay you, but it's a really good real world education in how all those things work. And I think it really helps lay a foundation for setting things up with what you want to do in business down the road.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if I can ask, do you have any stories from your door-to-door sales experience or, you know, some of your first experiences that had a profound impact on you, either, you know, positively or negatively that you sort of still look back to? Anything like that?
0: Yeah, sure. So one time we were doing, like I said, it was it was kind of a marketing. It was a business-to-business marketing product. So we were on one end, we would take payments from one of the businesses and we would take a cut of it and then we would deliver the rest to one of the other businesses. So growing up and just dealing with day-to-day life and, and everything else, you know, I just had a general assumption that people were wouldn't screw you over. And it really opened my eyes doing this for the first time that we had a we had a customer that you know they had signed a contract they had said that they were going to do this and they just just flat out didn't pay us and they basically said we're not going to pay you and there's nothing you can do about it and we looked at it and we said you know what they're kind of right we would probably spend more money trying to hire a lawyer to deal with this than it would even be worth so we just dropped it but it was one of those lessons where you're like wow people can really be jerks and that's that's the way the world is sometimes <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I think every small business or freelancer has been in some kind of similar situation at one point or another. Right, for sure. So in 2013, you launched your second company, Memberful. What really motivated you to launch it?
0: So Memberful was, so when we were selling WordPress themes, we had used um, this software called a member and it's still out there it's kind of a php based you install it on your on your web server type software and i i never liked it from the day we started using it it just rubbed me the wrong way i felt like it was clunky it was hard to use it was unreliable so i had always for those three years that we used that product I couldn't get out of the back of my head like there's got to be a better way to do this because this is just terrible and if we do something better people are gonna want it because I know that as a customer of that product that I want something better Uh, so that basically memberful grew out of my frustration with an existing product that we were using so we just decided to build our own and we did and we invested the money from profits that we had made from the theme foundry into kind of bootstrapping this this side project and that's what it was was a side project and we got it going. We plugged it into the theme foundry so that it could start running the theme foundry. And that kind of proved it for us that we we said, look, this is actually working. We're processing some pretty decent volume here customers are using it it works and so after doing that for about six months we announced to all of our theme foundry customers and everyone else we knew that we were kind of launching this and to give it a try and we're gonna have a beta period and we got about I think 50 or 60 people to use the beta and just kind
2: of kept going from there so memberful came out of a need and frustration you saw in the WordPress space But you guys are also building towards a bigger vision and mission for the web and independent creators of all kinds in general. Can you tell us more about why you are building Memberful for these creators?
0: Right. So Memberful, just to back up a little bit, the future of Memberful is more around where the web is headed and where creators are headed. So if we look at like Back maybe five years ago, a lot of people that ran maybe a popular blog or a popular website, they were supporting themselves through advertising. I think we've all seen over the past five years, and especially the past couple of years, it's accelerated that the ability to earn a living through advertising on your website has declined significantly over that time. But at the same time, there's been opportunities that have come up to have people who are your audience supporting you directly through your website without advertising and that's kind of where memberful comes in so we're it's membership software and our customers have an audience and they're our customers are creators, whether they're publishers, whether they're artists, whether they're podcasters, they're all creators and they're finding ways to connect directly with their audience, whether it's their podcast, whether it's their blog, and then getting their audience to directly support their work in a sustainable way. And that's where Memberful is headed. That's what we're that's what we're focused on. We're providing a tool for those creators to directly connect with their audience and get paid.
2: So if that's the context you're building the platform. I am, where do you think the web is heading in terms of more creators building communities that support them directly?
0: Well, I, th- I think that we need to just step back and, and remember how young the web is in general. So it's kind of, I still feel like the web is still going through growing pains, but I feel like this is starting to resonate that people are starting to realize that they can connect with their audience and actually make and actually make a sustainable living with the tools that are now available whereas that just wasn't possible even 10 years ago and one of the things that it's it's important to realize that some people feel like well i need to be somebody who's incredibly famous to do that and and the fact is that's it's not that's not true at all some of our customers they may only have a, an audience of a few thousand people but they're able to monetize that audience and in a sustainable way and actually support work that they love doing. And it's something they can depend on.
2: So this makes a lot of sense. So how do you guys approach innovating around this emerging space and continuing delivering an empowering product?
0: We're focused on is is keeping that. Like I said, this is all about people that are creating, whether they're publishers, whether they're podcasters, whether they're creating YouTube videos or whatever it might be we're focused on providing tools that makes it easier for them to connect directly with their audience. One of the main features of our service is that um, it works as an overlay on your website. So your audience, you can send them, use it on for your podcast. You could send them directly to your site. They would just click a link that says, hey, support, hack to start, and then they could just sign up and they could manage everything right on your website. You could show them different content based on you know their membership level and things like that. So we're focused on continuing to just add great new features to that that make it easier, even easier for people to get paid, like things like Apple Pay and all kinds of features to basically help the creators give their audience a better experience on their website.
2: So on that thread, how have you approached building a team at both the Theme Foundry and Memberful?
0: Yeah, so it was it was fun. I mean, we I remember when we first hired our, our, our very first employee at, at the Theme Foundry, it was something that we took a lot of time to do, and we took it, we took it very seriously, and it was a great experience. And, and almost everybody that we've worked with throughout the years, we've really enjoyed working with. As far as thoughts about building a team, for both of our companies, they're really small. They're just a few people. So one of the things that I enjoy, I enjoy working with small teams. So that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed about both companies is being able to work, work with a small team. But I guess the short answer would be that I've learned some about hiring, but I wouldn't say that or building a team, I would still say that I'm still learning about that because I've I've never put together like a 20 person team or, or something like that. So I'd say it's an area where I feel like I've definitely learned some, but I feel like I have a lot to learn as well.
2: Following up on that, how do you balance helping customers and building innovative new features within the context of that kind of small team?
0: right that's a good question so i think whenever it's a small team and it's bootstrapped you're going to you're just going to be wearing a lot of different hats so you're going to be wearing you know the customer service hat and the product hat and you have to be kind of balancing all that but i think that's one area where actually being bootstrapped can help because you may not let's say two examples let's say you get a lot of VC funding and you pour a lot of marketing dollars into your product so you're getting tons of customers in and and you're you're overwhelmed with all the the response that you're getting from the product and and serving all those customers Whereas if you're bootstrapped it's kind of like building things a little bit more slowly well you still can be rushing at times and feeling a little bit overwhelmed at the same time because you're bootstrapping it and you're, you're growing things a little bit more slowly and a little bit more sustainably so it doesn't tend to be quite as hectic but at the same time. Like you said, I mean, you, you need to be wearing a lot of different hats and, and trying to balance product and serving customers and, and all those different things.
1: So in terms of acquiring customers, and I want to cover bootstrapping next, but going back to those growth channels, how has that changed or evolved for you over the last few years? As you know, this new reality has begun to emerge for creators and their communities. What kind of channels have you guys seen to be the most effective for getting the word out and continuing to grow?
0: Right, so up until this summer, we had not done much marketing at all. We had all it had all been word of mouth. This summer, we started to we redesigned our website. We we were working with a, a company called Bell Curve, and they've helped us like kind of get an advertising plan in place, get a landing page optimization, and things like that. So it's something that we've just started to do after almost four years, and that's simply because we felt like. This is the first time we've had to slow down and and actually focus on that. We had been so heads down on product up until then, up until the past few months that it, it just wasn't feasible for us to spend a lot of time on marketing. But we were also lucky enough that we were growing fast enough that we could it was still working.
1: Wow, that's incredible. Four years is a really amazing milestone and we'll have to follow along for sure to see, you know, this next chapter unfold as you guys, you know, continue to ramp up this marketing and new customer acquisition. So what have been some of the most important lessons you've learned while building Memberful?
0: Well, I think throughout even back to like when we were doing the service stuff and then into the theme foundry and then into Memberful. I mean, when Memberful first started, it was a different type of service than it is today. It was we had memberships, but it was more focused on downloads because that's the use case that we were solving for the theme foundry. But over time, we realized that that wasn't necessarily where The market was going and that people were more interested in in the subscription side of this so what i'm trying to get to is that in the same way that we kind of made the choice to start designing websites and then we made the choice to start designing wordpress themes and then we saw is is that when you see something that looks like it fits with what you're doing don't hang on to what you thought your product was at first be okay with jumping into something new and changing what it is and that's kind of how we that's one of the i'd say that's one of the bigger lessons throughout all of my entrepreneurial career and especially with memberful
1: so how did you recognize that that's the lesson that you needed to learn at that time did you realize that going in or was that something that sort of came through the experience of running those first few startups
0: I don't know why, but I think it's more just letting go of stubbornness because there's something when you start something, you kind of feel attached to it. And that's true about anything. And it's letting go of that attachment and say, and not being stubborn about like, well, this is what I started. This is what I'm going to do. And just saying, you know what, that's where we started, but that might not be where we're going to end up. And this looks very promising. Let's see where it goes and just trying different things.
1: That's very true. Letting go of your conception and sort of, you know, allowing the product to evolve outside of your original idea is something that's very hard to do, but obviously the key to becoming more successful. So, both of your startups have been bootstrapped. What's your experience been like going down that path with both Theme Foundry and Memberful?
0: Right. So for us, it was never, we never thought of doing it any other way. Uh, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just some people are programmed that way and some people aren't, but we, it never crossed our mind not to do it in a bootstrap fashion. But at the same time, we were lucky enough to hit on something that was working so that we could make enough profit to actually bootstrap something and then use that to, to bootstrap something else. So, you know, I think it's a combination of, of luck and um, just choosing your own way.
1: Have you ever thought about taking some form of outside investment? Was there a moment in time when, you know, that seemed like the best option to help continue the growth?
0: Well, I wouldn't say that we would rule it out entirely. But I think if we ever did consider it, it wouldn't be the traditional like VC, type model. Like one of the things that's interesting to me is maybe if you if there was an investor that wanted to be part of the business as it is and, and to invest in the business for the long term where they made an investment in the business to be like a long term partner in the business, but without necessarily thinking like, oh, the goal here is to 100x the investment in the next five years or go bust, like more of a um, sustainable investment sort of approach, which I think there are more and more people and smaller companies doing that. So that's something that we might be open to in the future, but it hasn't been on our radar at all as of right now.
2: So on the note of growing as an entrepreneur, what are some of the most recommended resources or tools that you keep coming back to?
0: Yeah, for sure. There's a book a couple of books. There's a book called "The uh, The E Myth Revisited," and it's kind of a weird title. But that was one of the first books I read when we started the business because it was recommended to me by someone else. And I think for somebody who has never started their own business or done anything, if they maybe you've just freelanced, maybe you've just experimented with business, but you've never really gotten into it, I highly recommend that book because it just teaches you how to think about the a, a business and. And how it relates to yourself, which is very important, I guess, first lesson to learn as a business owner.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That is a great, that is a good read with a weird title. So do you have any final thoughts or personal models that you live by and you think other people should know about?
0: For sure. So I would say a few things. I mean, one of the things that I think we've hit on throughout this episode is, and you just hit on it again, is it's don't be afraid to change. Don't get stuck on your current idea. Always be looking out at what's going on in the marketplace. Don't get your head buried into just what you're working on. Be sure to be aware of what's going on in the marketplace because a lot of times those are the cues you need to be picking up on so that you can change direction if necessary to, to get going with where the customers are or what types of products that people want. Other things I would say you know, do something that you're excited about. I love going to work every day. I love getting up and working on this stuff. And I think if at all possible, try to do something you're excited about. And if you're not doing something you're excited about, you know, figure out what you are excited about and figure out a way to do it if possible. And then just in general kind of tips, try to be as positive as you you can about everything and, and just be generous as well. The, the last one, which is a, is a big one for me, and I think as an entrepreneur, it's important to really take this one to heart. It's don't be envious of other people, because uh, when you start looking to others to define your success, it just doesn't it doesn't lead anywhere good for you. And any, and sometimes it can really you can end up really beating yourself up and it's, it's just not worth it. So define your own success.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's some great advice. I couldn't think of a better way to end the show. Drew, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. It was great talking. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd love to hear about it and have you share it with friends. Find us on Facebook or Twitter at Hack to Start or drop us a line, hey at hacktostart.com.
2: You can also subscribe to avoid missing any future episodes by finding Hack to Start on Apple Podcasts, Breaker Audio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening.